Hey friends, welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and I hope all of you listening are staying safe and staying well. As you know, we've been in the middle of a marriage formation series, but in light of what the entire world is in the middle of currently, I thought it would be appropriate to pause that series and sandwich a series in between those episodes on how to manage during the COVID-19 crisis. This will be a four-week series on managing your mental, emotional, and relational health at home. So if you're needing this series right now or you know someone who is, I hope you'll follow along and forward this series to help as many people as possible. I want to start by sharing my initial experience because I know I've found comfort and even ideas in hearing how other people are processing this thing. Two weeks ago Friday, my small hometown of about 6,000 people was the first town in our state to have a positive case. In that first week of seeing clients after the virus broke out, which feels like a month ago at this point, was pretty much business as usual, given that my city that I now live in hadn't seen a case yet. But by week two, our governor had placed major restrictions and recommended closings of businesses and gatherings to prevent the spread of the virus, which, by the way, I highly respect and commend. I think our hometown mayor and Kentucky's governor have done an excellent job of leading during this time. But during that week, I did a lot of asking and observing how everyone was feeling. And between friends, family, colleagues, and clients, the sentiments were quite similar. Weird. Odd. Or my favorite, I have no idea. I think most of us can relate during the first couple of weeks of having to deal. I know for me, the news initially felt surreal. I remember keeping an eye on the count in my state and listening for updates on business closings but I felt somewhat disconnected from my body and my emotions. Cognitively, I was taking in information, but it wasn't quite landing, if that makes sense. And knowing myself and how I tend to respond in overwhelming situations, I tend to do one of two things. I either remain in shock for a while before reality sinks in, as when loved ones in my family have died, or if there are others to take care of, I go into go mode or caretaker mode, as I did when I had to help put out a fire and nurse my roommate's third-degree burns back to health after an apartment fire in college. Now, this fight-flight-or-freeze response is a shared human experience when faced with an immediate threat or an abrupt change to circumstances. But what's layered and nuanced and strange about COVID-19 is that while all of us are experiencing and being impacted by this global crisis in some way, shape, or form, We are experiencing it in different phases and to varying degrees depending on our health, our work, and financial situation. You know, some people are sick and fighting for their lives, and that's the part when I really stop to think about it that makes me cry, that makes me pause for a moment to grieve. Others of us have had to quickly adapt to changing work environments or have experienced layoffs, time off, or loss of work. And still some of us have yet to be impacted in any significant way. That is to say, yes, we're aware. Yes, we're dumbfounded. Yes, we're just as uncertain as anyone. But when we think about our present health status, our living conditions at the moment, the people we have by our side, the house, car, or scenery from which we're listening to this podcast, everything in this present moment is actually okay. 
That's one thing I personally keep coming back to, which helps me manage my mental health so that I can be present and help take care of others in the best way I know how. So what I've learned through prior experience is how important it is to process my emotions as soon as I can and as soon as I become aware that I haven't. Because when I don't, they come out eventually, just not in very helpful ways. When I don't, they hit me much harder than if I were to process my thoughts and emotions along the way. And when I don't, and this is the most important part of what I want to share with you today, I am no good at taking care of others. I share all this to say that if there were ever a time to take care of yourself, it's now. To take good care of your mental, emotional, and relational health so that you can take care of others who need you to do your part during this time. So today, we're talking about how to manage your mental health, and to do that, I'm going to give you a total of 10 suggestions, and I'm also going to introduce a special segment at the end of the episode. The first way to manage your mental health is move your body. Moving your body can seem counterintuitive to managing your mental health because you're not addressing your mind directly, but moving your body and getting your heart rate up is actually one of the very best things you can do to improve your mental health. I'm personally feeling convicted as I share this because even though Evan and I have gone for several mile-long walks this week, I can feel in my body its need to sweat and release toxins and get rid of some stress-reducing hormones. I read a book in grad school called Spark by John Rady, MD, which is a book on the science behind the effects of exercise on the brain. And he posited that the neurochemicals released during exercise are the most effective defense against depression, stress, and memory loss and that exercise can actually improve your intellect and cognitive functioning. So exercise. Take a walk or go for a run. Do an at-home workout. Lots of instructors are doing free workouts right now while everyone is at home. And there are apps you can get like Beachbody, for example, that stream all of their workouts for less than $10 a month. I have some friends doing what they're calling the coronavirus challenge together as a couple, where they're implementing their own workout routines and sticking to it while they're at home. Number two, meditate or practice mindfulness. If you're unfamiliar with meditation or mindfulness, it's simply the practice of focusing your mind on a particular object or thought to help you learn how to pay attention to what's actually going on in your mind and body so that you can then gain some control over it. Let's take the example of focusing your mind on an object. So Evan and I have a bird feeder outside of our window, and we usually get about seven different species that come around. And the other day, we took a walk, and as we were talking, we realized that we'd engaged in the same mindfulness practice. Because as we've watched the birds, which we do anyway, like an old couple, I know, both of us have recalled the passage in Matthew and Luke where Jesus tells us not to worry. Because our Heavenly Father sees us, and He knows what we need. And he counts us more valuable than the birds whom he also provides for. And so when the birds start singing in the morning, that's been our cue to go sit near the window. And in these moments, whatever's going on, whatever my mind is being drawn toward, I'm able to come back to the present moment by focusing on something outside of myself that grounds me in reality. And I'm reminding myself of Jesus' words as I watch. God is in control, that he knows what we need. 
and he cares for us no matter our circumstances. So mindfulness is a way then to move from reactivity to centeredness. It's a movement away from unruly thoughts, which lead to panic, spiraling, and breakdowns, toward mental clarity, self-control, and calmness despite your circumstances. So if you'd like to practice this type of mindfulness, feel free to buy a bird feeder on Amazon, or you can do the same type of practice with flowers from your local grocery store. That's something that's been a necessity too in our house, but if those aren't up your alley, which I understand, you can also download a mindfulness or meditation app like Headspace or Calm, which give you a daily 10-minute guided meditation to help you take up the practice. The third way to manage your mental health is capture your thoughts. If you don't already know how to do this, it's totally understandable but hopefully through this crisis, will become more and more understood. Because unless you were a psychology major or graduate student, no one probably ever taught you how to do this. Just yesterday, I was talking to a friend who is doing hypnobabies for her natural childbirth plan, and she was saying that what she's learned about managing her mind through that program has helped her realize that she has control over her thoughts, something that she hadn't necessarily been mindful of before. She went on to say that she thinks everyone could benefit from practicing some form of meditation to help reduce anxiety. So use a tool like Headspace or Calm to help you pay attention to what's going on in your mind in the first place. And then, as scripture says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So replace fear-based thoughts like, the world is coming to an end, with peace-filled ones like, I know who holds tomorrow. Replace unhelpful thoughts like, what if I lose my job or my business? With helpful thoughts like, how can I serve the people God's placed in my path today? There's also a practice called centering prayer, where individuals simply choose a word, thought, or phrase from scripture to center on during their prayer time with God. And by doing so, they're also learning to pay attention to the thoughts in their mind that distract them from communing with the Lord. So if that interests you, just look up Centering Prayer on YouTube. Along those lines, number four is pray. In my reading in Luke this morning, Jesus says that all of us ought to come to the Father like little children, totally not self-conscious, just talking to Him honestly and openly and repetitively. Like we've talked about, the Father cares deeply for us, and He already knows what we need certainly better than any of us do. Though understandably, if you're wrestling spiritually, my saying that may be hard to trust right now. You may find God hard to trust right now. But if you'll tell him, if you'll cry or yell or blame him, I assure you, he can handle it and carry all the strong emotions and help you lighten the burden in all the areas where you feel tired and weak and overwhelmed. So as you do this, I'm picturing a little kid and just The honesty and directness and unfiltered things that come out of their mouths when they pray. Go ahead and pray like that. Number five, see your people. Whether that be the people you live with and love or friends and neighbors with whom you want to check in, please be sure you're seeing your people whether online or in person with social distancing depending on your state regulations. Relational health and connectedness are the determining factors when it comes to long-term levels of happiness and quality of life. 
If you're interested in learning more, you can search Harvard's Happiness Study on YouTube. So schedule FaceTime dates, Zoom calls, or communicate with your loved ones what you need, even if it's a visit that includes social distancing. Just make sure you are maintaining human connection during this time. Now, these first five suggestions, while they're beneficial to everyone, will certainly be beneficial and practical for those who are on the front lines right now, working day and night to take care of others. Because exercise, mindfulness, prayer, taking your thoughts captive, and seeing your people, none of those take more than 30 minutes. I would also add sleep and rest to that list for you guys. Because when you're working overtime to take care of others, your mental health is just as important, if not more so, as those you're seeking to serve. But the next five suggestions, in addition to the first five, are for those of you who are working from home or are at home right now. So number six, get creative. I have to tell you all and brag on my clients because some of their self-care game is on point right now. Some of them who are confined to their house who don't have kiddos are picking up their childhood hobbies again. And I've heard this from other people as well. They're painting, crafting, sewing, crocheting. They're playing piano again, guitar, or another instrument that they used to play. They're blogging, writing songs and poetry. They're doing things that come naturally to them at this point to express themselves through art, which is a wonderful way to manage your mental health. So I'd encourage you if you have time or can make time to do the same. Now, for those of you with kiddos at home, Why not empower them to make or create as well right alongside you? Provide them with everything they need, turn on some music or a guided video, and allow them to occupy themselves while you also take time to decompress by getting creative. Number seven is meaningful play. When I was in grad school, I trained in child-centered play therapy as part of my internship experience. And meaningful play is one of the best ways that kids express and process their emotions. Now, as adults, we use meaningful modes of creativity to accomplish the same thing, like we just talked about. But for kids, letting them play and use their imaginations is another form of play that can be beneficial to their mental health. I was totally nerding out and praising these twin toddlers in a video that Evan showed me. Have you all seen this? Their parents had captured them playing during nap time, talking about being quarantined and fighting off germs. And it is both hilarious and an incredibly healthy response to the way their little brains are processing everything going on around them. So you have to go watch it. It'll make you smile, but it'll also show you what I'm talking about. Just that play and creativity are healthy ways of managing your mental health and getting everything out of your system. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. The eighth way to manage your mental health right now is to practice presence. Along the lines of the last suggestion, you being able to be present for even a few moments during the day is going to be one of the best gifts you can give your spouse, your kids, and those you work with, not to mention yourself. Look, guys, I get it. There's a lot going on and it can be hard to come down. It can be hard to calm down and to focus on the people around us instead of fixating on the future or turning inward. But the way you do this, which I'll talk about more in an upcoming relational health episode, is you make space, if only for a few minutes, 
for you and your spouse to share what thoughts, feelings, and emotions are going on for each of you. You pause your planning and forecasting and attempts to control the future to control what you can right now, which is seeing and showing up for your family and friends in a moment where they need it the most. And by the way, so do you. Number nine, think of the other. And by that I mean have empathy. Listen, our country wasn't doing great at this before COVID-19. Politically, we were polarized, and economically, we've gotten used to treating people as commodities or as a means to the ends that serve us, rather than as people. And that goes for businesses and customers alike. So it's not like we're very practiced at this. But while you're stuck at home and relying on a few people to get your needs for health and well-being met, I want to encourage you to see the people behind these organizations and businesses. It's people that make up hospitals and food banks and homeless shelters and banks and grocery stores. Likewise, people make up your customer bases and your constituents. It's been a long time since we've seen people as people, but if there were ever a time to do that again, it's now. Every single one of us is navigating an unprecedented situation. We're all trying to process and get by and keep a paycheck and do our best So I want to encourage you, after you take some time to meditate, pray, or self-reflect, think of the other, outside of yourself, outside of your four walls, and remember, we are all being affected by this to one degree or another. And number 10, do something good for someone else. I have some friends who I respect who run a local nonprofit that early on jumped on a YouTube video and sent it out to their supporters just to see how they could help and serve during the stressful time. And I so appreciated them modeling for me what Jesus modeled for all of us, which was showing up to serve, not to be served. I talked with a friend yesterday who got gift cards for her daughter's daycare workers, knowing they would be out of a job for a while. And when Evan and I went to pick up dinner from a local restaurant last night, I watched as a manager, in the spirit of good customer service, gave a woman a free meal for her weight, even though I'm pretty sure it was her fault because she didn't call when she got there, and then proceeded to blame and take it out on the restaurant. Subsequently, we tipped that employee very well. But doing something good for someone else and paying it forward is a wonderful remedy for fighting depression and the victim mentality that so often precedes it because it reminds us that others need our help too. Even the most menial acts of kindness can give us a sense of purpose and, in a time of so much uncertainty, give us a deep sense of moral certitude. As a new segment during the series, I'm going to take a few minutes to bring you good news and gratitudes at the end of each episode. So first, good news. Like I said, you've got to watch the Toddler Twins video of them jabbering on about the coronavirus. Secondly, a man in my office building shared a story with me last week of getting stalled in a Walmart as he picked up a few things for his wife and daughter. A woman was standing in the middle of the aisle, frozen, with a can of tomatoes in one hand and a grocery list in the other. And he could tell that she was lost in her thoughts and fears. And the moment she came back to where she was standing, she embarrassingly apologized for taking up time and space and proceeded to explain how she'd just lost her job. And all my coworker said to her, you guys, was, you take your time. I can afford a few minutes. And I hope your day gets better. 
to which she teared up, thanked him, saying he had no idea how much his patience and kindness meant to her, which in turn made him tear up as he recounted that moment to me and made me tear up in this moment of recounting it to you. These are the moments I intend to share with you right now. So I'll be looking for these moments throughout the week and curate them for you at the end of each episode. And second, gratitudes. This week, I'm especially thankful for grocery store owners and employees. My family has been in the local grocery store business for a few generations now, and they are working tirelessly to keep the shelves stocked and the stores clean. And even as someone who knows this and has an appreciation, I found myself in Kroger last week, where I live, focused on avoiding people with coughs, touching as little as I could, and zipping past store employees without seeing them or thinking them. And I got choked up, to be honest, the moment I realized, and I slowed down to at least smile and to thank my cashier and my bagger. So thank you, those of you who are doing this work, who I often take for granted. I hope that you have people who acknowledge your work every day and make getting through this crisis a little easier and a little brighter. All right, friends, thanks for hanging in for a longer episode this week. Your action step is to choose one action from the list I just went through to implement this week that you haven't already. Because despite what your limbic system may be telling you, you still have choices, friends. So if you've already done something creative, get out and go for a walk. If you've already played games with friends, take some time to pray and journal. My hope for you during this time is that you would add to your mental health toolbox and feel better mentally today and tomorrow than you did yesterday or the day before. And my prayer for you this week is the one that Evan and I prayed with our pastor in our church this morning as we tuned in to our church service online. And it just hit me in a totally new way. It's the one where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. So if you know it, feel free to join in. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Love you guys, take care, and I will talk to you again next week. Just as fragile as it is.